1950s, as the Cold War gripped global politics, the United States began developing intercontinental ballistic missiles, or as many of us remember them, ICBMs. You guys remember that acronym? It seems like a long time since we've had that. The first attempts to build such missiles were called the Atlas Program. The name was borrowed from the Greek mythology of the titan of strength who held the world upon his shoulders. The Atlas missiles had three stages configured in parallel staging, which is uh, basically there's like a central rocket and then there are two supporting side rockets that would be jettisoned in flight. Um, these missiles were gigantic. They were so big that one of the rockets carried four astronauts into space under Project Mercury in 1965. So when you think, when we hear missile, I think we get the term a lot, might maybe wrong. Think like space shuttle. <laughs> think like a gigantic, you know, uh, gigantic rocket. Back in the spring of 1961, Arturus Manufacturing Company, now in Oxnard, was constructing titanium gas reservoirs for these Atlas missiles when they discovered a slight dimensional imperfection in one of them. The gas reservoir was so flawed that they decided it had to be hauled away as scrap metal. While it was on the loading dock, a company executive named McCormick gave the faulty titanium tank kick. And with that kick, the reservoir rang out like a bell. Instead of being melted as scrap, that Atlas missile gas reservoir found its way to a brand new mission church at a new university, our own beloved St. Michael's University Church at UCSB. That gas reservoir is what we rang at our service this morning. It is the bell we ring at every service. When it arrived here, they christened it the Isaiah Bell in reference to today's passage from Isaiah. They shall beat their swords into plowshares. You can read more about that and a lot more new history in our newly revised history that, uh, that Diana Thomas has recently completed. Stay tuned for more. It's coming soon. It's in the, in the printing process right now. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. It's hard to overestimate how much I love this passage, especially that last line. It's particularly poignant in reference this part of the scripture at the beginning of Advent when we are working our way up to the darkest day of the year. Christian mystics for all history, from John Scotus to Barbara Brown Taylor, have reminded us that the power of stepping into the unknown of love eternal as symbolized by darkness. It's just another beautiful, poetic 
irony in a tradition that is rich with inversions of expectations and assumptions. On the darkest days of the year, we read, Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. However we try to tame it or water it down, the season of Advent will always be countercultural. Lutheran preacher Jim Lindbergh once said, in the culture, the sound of this season is the ringing of jingle bells, but in the church, the sound of Advent is the clanging of swords being beaten into plows, or maybe faulty missiles being kicked. That clanging is very odd, even for those of us here in the church. Case in point, the gospel for today. Why do we have this jarring apocalyptic passage today? This is the first Sunday of year A in the lectionary. This is the first gospel of the whole thing. Everything, everything put together. I have to admit, this is not my favorite way to get into the Christmas spirit. It's also not how I would start to tell the story of Jesus. But, but there is something very important happening here. The point that Jesus is making is be ready. Prepare. That is what Advent is all about. Preparing the way of the Lord. For us to prepare the way of the Lord, we have to know the way of the Lord. We have to study the way of the Lord. What is the way of the Lord according to Isaiah in this passage? Beating swords into plows. So often, I can't see my way forward. I can't see how to pursue peace in my life, in my family, much less pursue peace in the world. But Jesus reminds us that the resources we need are all around us. The tools of peace are in our hands. When we feel we have no resources for peace, we can always take them from the resources of war. In 2018, the U.S. spent $693 billion on our military. Woo! $693 billion. The United Nations estimates it could end world hunger by the year 2030 if between now and then we uh, donated $30 billion a year to that cause. $30 billion. <laughs> to end worldwide hunger. What do you do with plowshares? You feed people. You study war no more. There's so much we could do if 
we studied war no more. There's so much we could do if we sat at the feet of the one who teaches us to love. The one who comes as a baby and dies in public shame with common criminals. Love is not division or grandeur. It is giving up ourselves, leaving behind those who we have been for the sake of who we will be, stepping away from our individualism and into deeper relationship, into partnership with love eternal. While that sounds nice, it is not an easy process. Following the way of love, the way of Jesus, is like beating a sword against an anvil or being an innocent criminal tortured to death. But that process leads to resurrection, to life everlasting.